The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and of earth, does not live in temples made by hands. Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man, his name was Adam, from one man, he made every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, including you, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from any one of us. The Lord is not far. And do you believe that? Sorry if I'm coming on a little strong this morning. I came a little quick out of the gate there. I was trying to figure out how to start my sermon this week in, in preparation. And I couldn't decide if I should just hit the ground running, you know, and kind of go full blast, telling you what I hope you leave here knowing, or if I should take, you know, a little more time and kind of finesse things a little bit and, and set it up for, you know, a grand slam or something. Well, I already kind of took a swing, uh, so hopefully it connected with some of you. Uh, but for those who it didn't, let me take a little time to set it up. Uh, we're in a sermon series right now called uh, a Rubble Restoration, a Rebuilding God's Way. And in it, we are uh, tracking with the Israelites after the exile uh, as they return to rebuild their homeland of Jerusalem as recorded in the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. And as we've gone along in this sermon series, uh, we've been using a lot of metaphors and references to uh, home repair and building shows to help explain what God is up to, uh, which has been uh, uh, really great, uh, but there's one problem with that, uh, for me anyway, and the problem is this. I am absolutely clueless as to anything home repair related. When it comes to building, I have absolutely no skill or knowledge. Uh, I'm not a handy guy. I don't even own a home. And uh, the one time that I did help try to build a home uh, down in Mexico on a mission trip, I actually drilled in uh, the brackets on backwards <laughs> inside the house so they weren't even holding up anything. Um, <laughs> But here's the good news. I rent. I don't have to know anything about home repair because I have a landlord. And that's a great relief uh, to me. Uh, but having a landlord, well, it's not always a great relief, is it? Right? It kind of depends on the landlord that you have. And I've run into a couple uh, landlords uh, in my time. There's the one landlord who's super responsive, right? The, the drain in the shower isn't draining right, and, and he's over the same day to check it out. Or uh, the squirrels keep finding their way in the uh, attic, and uh, he, he comes up with creative new ways to try and smoke them out. Uh, <laughs> and he's a little, you know, he's understanding when the rent comes in just a little bit late, right? That, that, in my opinion, is a great landlord. 
But then you have that other kind of landlord, right? The one that's never around when you need him the most. Right, the toilet's overflowing, uh, the refrigerator's gone out, and you're texting him, and you're calling him, and you're getting nothing but silence from the other end. Everything in the house is just a little off because he hasn't really taken the time to invest in the house. And whenever the landlord does show up, he doesn't really fix anything or, or invest any time in the house, but, but he finds the time to comment, you know, you really should clean up this place a little more often. You know that kind of a landlord, right? The real question this morning is which kind of landlord do you think God is? How do you perceive of God? Is he unresponsive? Far off? Only vaguely interested in, in what's going on in your life? Is that the kind of God that we imagine sometimes that we have? Kind of like that second landlord? Or do we see our God at work in our world? Do you notice what he's up to in your workplace or in the lives of your family members or, or friends? Can you dare to believe that God is even involved in the most intimate and private thoughts and moments that you have? Even those ones that you're kind of scared to admit to anyone else. What kind of landlord is God? Well, to find out, we should take a look at Ezra. And I'm talking about the guy, right? The guy Ezra. Uh, he's the guy that the whole book of Ezra is named after. And finally this week, after six weeks or six chapters, uh, Ezra shows up on the scene. Ezra. He's uh, called the scribe, one skilled in the law of Moses. It was Ezra's job to, to know the character of God and to teach it and share it with the people of Israel. And so if there's anyone who can tell us what kind of landlord God is, it's Ezra. And Ezra does just that in these couple chapters. He drops uh, these little clues into uh, uh, kind of the pervasiveness of God or the character of God in chapters 7 and 8 because he keeps repeating a phrase over and over and over again. We only heard it once in our text, right at the end. But it actually occurs six times over the course of these two chapters. And it's this. It says, The hand of the Lord my God was on me. Everywhere Ezra looks, he sees God and his presence acting and moving and working. Everywhere Ezra goes, he feels the hand of his God guiding him, right? protecting him. Ezra sees it in King Artaxerxes. Now this is a new king. I think since the last time we referenced a king, I've been gone, uh, so, so hopefully I haven't talked about Artaxerxes yet. Uh, but this is a different king than the king who set the exiles 
free, okay? That was King Cyrus back in 539 B.C. And that king was prophesied about, King Cyrus. He was this great king who, who gave freedom to the Israelites. But not every foreign king is that sympathetic to what Israel needs, to their needs. But here in this text, we have Artaxerxes sending Ezra to Jerusalem. And there's a real need for spiritual leaders in Jerusalem because it's been nearly 60 years since the temple's been rebuilt. We heard about that last week when they were putting the altar in place. We're 60 years removed from that time, and even at that time, they didn't have a whole lot of priests and Levites, uh, spiritual leaders in Israel. And so uh, uh, when, when the king commissions Ezra for his journey, Ezra doesn't just see this as a coincidence. No, Ezra sees the one working behind the scenes. And Ezra praises God, saying, Blessed be the Lord, the God of our fathers, who put such a thing as this into the heart of the king. Ezra sees God moving and working in this king, and it's kind of apparent with how much the king is loading up these Israelites. I don't know if you heard about all the silver and gold, the wine, the oil. Uh, uh, he, he sent out a message to the land saying, uh, no tax, or no uh, 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 tolls to be charged to the group. It's a free ride for these guys back home. And all this, God is working through the king. But the journey home is not smooth uh, sailing the whole way. As Ezra prepares to head back, he realizes that they're short on Levites. And those were the people who assisted the priests in the temple. And actually, when Ezra takes a head count of his group, they're kind of camped out before they head off, he comes up with zero Levites. Not good. But Ezra sends for backup, and, and eventually two families come forward, and about 40 Levites uh, come to travel with them. And again, Ezra sees this as God's presence. He doesn't pat himself on the back for their resourceful thinking and, and action, but again, he sees the hand of God upon him. In fact, Ezra is so convinced that the hand of God is upon him that he actually turns down uh, royal protection for the journey home, which he could have had, and later he kind of regrets it. Uh, he says in chapter 8, he says, I was ashamed uh, to ask the king for a band of so soldiers and horsemen to protect us. Uh, because he had told the king, well, God's hand's with us, we're good. So he turns it down. But Ezra doesn't despair of the situation. He just kind of doubles down and, and looks to the one who he'd already put all his money on. Right? And, and Ezra and all those with him, they, they fasted and implored God for protection. And he listened. And after their four-month journey home from Babylon to Jerusalem, Ezra would say, the hand of our God was on us. And he delivered us from the hand of the enemy and from ambushes by the way. Ezra felt God's presence with him continually. And he recognized that the good hand of his God was guiding him all the way through his journey. 
But it's not always easy to see the presence of God at work in our lives, is it? It's not always easy to see God at work when we're in the middle of our own journeys. And when we're not saddled with gold and silver, but the resources actually are, are running low. And we wonder if we'll actually make it to the end. It's hard to see God's good hand upon us when it feels like all our efforts at home or at work are getting us nowhere. And then we can't catch a break. It's just one thing after another, and and life seems to be ambushing us from all sides and, and even breaking through our defenses. And then there are those times when, when we do feel the hand of God, but it feels heavy-handed. We feel like we're being punished. We, we, we feel like the, the voice of God that we hear is like that second landlord. It's just a condescending tone. For all the times that we have failed to keep his statutes, his rules, his laws, all the times that we have diverted from his ways. It's in these times that we need an Ezra. We need an Ezra. Uh, Ezra's name actually means one who helps in time of distress. But Ezra's help is a very specific kind of help, right? He's a scribe, skilled in the law, or more specifically, in the Torah. A Torah is the Hebrew word for law. And it doesn't just mean laws, it, it actually describes the first five books of the Bible, right? That's the Torah. So, so the Torah includes books like Leviticus and Deuteronomy, which are filled with a bunch of various laws and statutes, but it also includes books like Genesis and Exodus and Numbers, these books of the Bible that recount God's saving activity in the history of his people. Ezra was intimately aware of God's presence and power to save and to rescue because that was his job. (laughs) He spent his life studying the Torah. And it was his job to point back to God's presence at work in the lives of his people when they felt most distant from God. Like in Jerusalem, at the new temple, the new temple that that didn't have God's spirit rush upon it in a flame of fire like the first temple. Ezra needed to go back and share that God was with his people. Well, here at Saints Peter and Paul, we recognize this same need. We all need Ezra's in our lives to help point out God's presence and power at work in our faith journeys. And this last year was kind of a challenge in this regard with the many restrictions uh, upon gathering things that impacted our ability to come together. And we took those challenges as kind of an opportunity to, to lean into the home which has always been uh, the center of faith formation for God's people, even for the Israelites. 
Uh, we provided home huddles and uh, a confirmation program that was accessible at a distance. Uh, our life groups still continue to meet, some in person and some for the first time ever online uh, and that are going to continue online because we recognize the need that we have for Ezra's, for other people in our life to point to God's presence at work. But we're excited to share that over the course of this summer, we have been uh, rebuilding our Sunday school program. That's right, we got a new Sunday school format starting this fall after Rally Day. And for those of you kids who attended VBS this summer, we think you're really going to like it. Uh, we have kind of a VBS-style Sunday school uh, that we're working on for pre-K through sixth grade. It's going to meet every week from 10 a.m. to 10.45 in the gym, and it'll start with uh, an opening full of songs and music. And then the kids will split by age and go to a craft station and a story time station. We'll also have uh, Bible study opportunities for uh, junior high students, for high school students, and for adults as well during that time. Because we all need to be reminded of the nearness of God. We need Ezra's to remind us of the kind of God that we have. If you'd like to be involved in uh, helping run this new Sunday school program, uh, leading music, or just walking around with a group of kids, or telling stories, or doing crafts, uh, please talk to Pastor Aaron, myself, or Marcus Huff. We would love to have your help. Uh, when Ezra got to Jerusalem, the first thing he did actually was he got 12 priests together uh, to help him with the work he had in front of him. And so in much the same way, uh, we're looking for help as well. We'll need uh, your help in this work, the work of sharing God's presence and his activity in our lives during that Sunday school time. But how can we trust that God truly is the good landlord? How can we trust Ezra's description that we heard at the end of our reading, that, that God's good hand is upon us too, and that, that he extends his steadfast love to us as well? Well, the best kind of landlord is the one who cares about his house, right? The house that you are renting. My dear friends, you are God's house. You are a temple of his Holy Spirit. And look at what God has invested in you. He's invested his life. He created you, knit you together in your mother's womb, and, and he has sustained you every day that you wake up with breath in your lungs. He's invested his life in you. He's also invested his death in you. Jesus at the cross. Jesus at the cross demonstrates God's unwavering commitment to you. His unwavering devotion to restoring you. It cost him everything. But he was happy to pay it. To win you back to himself and to redeem you. And keep in mind that, 
that when Jesus went to the cross, He took all of our punishment upon Himself on that cross. God never punishes us for our sin because Jesus already took that upon Himself. Now, there might be consequences for the things that we choose to do in this life. But the response that God has for us, anytime we depart from His ways, the voice that He speaks to us is the same voice that Jesus spoke from the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You know, when I need something done in my house, the place I rent, I just inform the landlord. (laughs) Because it's not my house, and besides, he knows better than I do what his house needs. It's his, after all. My dear friends, God knows our needs better than we know them ourselves. Now, believe me when I tell you, he is working in your life right now, no matter how it looks. He is rebuilding you. He is working to restore your life. And if you reach out to Him, He will respond. And I know that there's a whole bunch of Ezra's in this room today who have story upon story that could prove that. So if you're one of those Ezra's, please share your stories with us so that we too could know that our God is near, that His good hand is upon us because of His two hands spread apart for you. It's into those hands that we commend ourselves, into the hands of Jesus. Amen.